Hola, my beautiful humans. This is Jasmine Castillo, and I bring stories and cases from the people of color community, bringing awareness of murdered and missing indigenous women, girls, two spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Pacific Islander, black indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So welcome to Hands Off, my podcast. which has just passed, I also like to provide some type of recognition, and it's a recognition that's long overdue. More than 46 million Americans self-identified as Black in 2019, and of the 29% increase since 2000. The number includes 2.4 Latinos who also identify as Black. That's an increase of whopping 145% since the year of 2000. So it has been said time and time again, This issue concerns Black Americans as well as Latinos in America. So how should you honor Juneteenth the same way you do every celebratory holiday? By recognizing its importance and its significance within a historical context. This is the opportunity to become better informed and educate about the various aspects of Black history and Afro-Latinx history that hasn't been taught in school. Find yourself some resources that aren't whitewashed or inaccurate, and get into the details. Read books from Black and Afro-Latinx authors. Follow activists, politicians, and thought leaders on social media. Or check out the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. There is so many educational events to honor Juneteenth in your community throughout the country. I will have some links in the show notes on how you can educate, support, and embrace culture. Five years and 25 days. No, these are not the lyrics from a song. What I am referencing to is five years and 25 days. The mysterious disappearance of Shanice Rose Harris from the Rose Hill, New York area. As I mentioned before, June is Pride Month. This episode will extend on the LGBTQ. Shanice Rose Harris is lesbian. I identify myself as pansexual under the LGBTQ, also known as Alphabet Mafia. I want to raise her story and why it is important to keep her story alive. Rock Hill is a small but busy hamlet situated on the foothills of the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York, Sullivan County. The population of Rock Hill in 2017 was about 1,494 people. And as it stands in 2020, there was a climb or increased population of 2,204. 
But as of today, as it stands as a projection, at least the latest numbers of 2022, it is to 1,516 people. The race and ethnicity in this area is a typical in a sense. For example, there's 68% white, 15% black, and 14% is Hispanic. Single digits of Asian and persons that identify themselves as more than one race. 96.2% have a high school or higher, and 42% are bachelor degrees or higher. So just stating this specifically, crime, safety, poverty, education kind of goes hand in hand in areas. And the reason why I'm identifying this is because I will be bringing this up later on in this episode. Just looking at the Rock Hill, New York community website, I mean, I see a farmer's market, I see events, there's volunteering. They're also receiving grants to build a better hospital in the area. It seems like it's just a wonderful community, a connection, a bond with their neighbors, people who are wanting to build and thrive and support each other. That's what makes it a little bit harder for me to understand as to why nothing has come out in the mysterious disappearance of Shanice Rose Harris. Now, May 29th was actually Memorial Day in the U.S. So on that evening, Shanice was home hanging out with her girlfriend, Shauna. From what I understood in resources, she was not planning to go out for that evening. However, based on what the girlfriend identified, she made a change of plans to attend a friend's party. And so Shanice leaves her home between 8.20 p.m. and 8.40 p.m. on May 29, 2017 to attend this party at a friend's house. Her girlfriend doesn't join her to not share the circumstances. So in my understanding is that Shanice did take her vehicle. Shanice's girlfriend received a FaceTime call around midnight. Not sure what the conversation was about, but that would have been the last time there was any type of phone contact with Shanice. So the following day on May 30th, 2017, Shauna reaches out to Shanice's older sister Tamika, asking her, has she seen her? Has she heard from her? She has not come back home from this party. Tamika knew this was not like her sister Shanice. Shanice likes to plan things out things that she's going to do for the day, and has always kept in contact with family, her mother, her sisters, throughout the day. And she's a homebody, so I completely get it. You want to plan your day, get things done, come home and relax. So when Tamika found out that Shanice never arrived home the following morning, Tamika contacted Elvia, who was actually in the state of Florida at the time, visiting another daughter. She literally just left to head to Florida at the time that Shanice disappeared. And Elvia herself was actually thinking that there was something completely odd because her daughter always called her when she flies to check on her. And she never received a call. She never received a text from Shanice to say, are you okay? Is everything going well? 
just to check on her because that's just how she is. She loves her mother. She loves her family. Elvia informs Tamika to file a missing report on her as soon as possible. So Tamika does follow up with speaking with authorities to file a missing report. However, at that time, the law enforcement identified to Tamika that she must wait at least 24 hours to file a missing persons report. Now, if you heard my rant from previous episodes, there is no actual law how long you have to wait to file a missing persons report. So this is what gets me even more upset, is that Tamika did her due diligence following through and reporting her sister Shanice missing just to have her turn around the following morning, at least 24 hours after Shanice was identified as missing, to have the law enforcement ask her why she waited so long to file the missing persons report. I am a little bit pissed, to say the least. So around 8 a.m. on May 31st, Shanice's car was actually found on the side of the road less than five miles from her own home. Her dark gray Fordo Volkswagen Jetta was found by police two days after she was last seen. Her car was found near a wooded area along Southwoods Drive in the town of Thompson, New York. And based on the Google mapping where Thompson is located, Thompson is literally right next to Monticello and also pretty close to the resort's world Catskills. From what I read about Monticello, it's a very high percentage of crime and safety scenarios. June 6, 2017, during the day, a prayer vigil was held at the Thompson Park. This was about a week after Shanice vanished. And again, Shanice's family comes together on July 29, 2017. They held a fundraiser with the community to raise money for a reward. And this event was organized by the family's friends, Michelle Velez, Urena Bonito, and of course, the person I will be speaking with today, former private investigator Domingo Ramos. By November of 2020, the FBI finally provided a reward. Three years with no answers in Shanice's disappearance, they announced that they were offering a $10,000 reward for information leading to an arrest in the case. So as I mentioned, I sat down with Domingo Ramos, the founder of Hope Alive 845. He founded his nonprofit organization in June 25th, 2020. We dive deep into that conversation here and talk about the case that got it all started. My name is Domingo Ramos. I am a former private investigator and um, I have a nonprofit organization through New York State as a public charity called Hope Alive 845. And what we do, we go out and we look for missing children, missing adults, runaway children, sex trafficking. Um, so we try to bring the members home back to their families. When I was a prime investigator five years ago, um, we picked up a case that was Shanice Harris' case. And after certain months working on the case, 
it turned out to be that I knew the family personally. I knew the mother. Mm-hmm. And um, me and her went to school together. And after a while of working on a case with no leads, no nothing, you know, I myself took it personal. So um, I spoke to my other half, and I was like, you know, we're missing something. You know, there's something missing out here. And um, then it, it, it became Hope Alive 845 because we started noticing there's a lot of missing people that's not even being talked about and that we don't even know about. So we um, we formed the organization. It took us a while to get it, you know, approved by New York State, and we finally got approved. And then I I stopped doing prior investigation, and I just started doing the organization. And, you know, luckily we've been successful so far in finding runaway children and missing adults so far. Um, and that's what started. So basically, Shanice Harris is when I started. I know Domingo goes through a little bit about who was Shanice, but me personally looking at her pictures and watching videos on Facebook like, she brings a smile to my face. She is so glowing with joy. She finds ways to make others happy. She sees life to its fullest. And she loves her family. It was even mentioned that if she saw an elderly person who was struggling with their groceries at a grocery store, that she would stop and help carry their groceries or do anything to help others. She was a pure heart. And like she said, her motto is F-O-E, family over everything. One thing that really breaks my heart is that Elvia, Tamika, and Latoya, Shanice's family, buried their grandfather in December 2017. However, Tamika had to file a missing persons report on his birthday. They want her back. They want her home. They want closure. And they won't stop until she is home. Her being missing and her family, I've watched her mother just break down and cry. And I, I'm affected by that stuff so much that I literally had to stop and pause. And, and I was bawling my eyes out just listening to her pleading. Um, Elvia was just pleading and, and asking the community to to give her something. They can be anonymous. Just anything. Anything is better than nothing right now. Exactly. Straight Talk 845 had a YouTube video of Shanice's mother and sister. This is the one that I am talking about in our conversation with Domingo. I will have that one in the show notes. There's a lot of missing persons in your demographic, specifically 845. Is that an area code? Yes, that's the area code. That's the whole Hudson Valley. Okay, okay, Hudson Valley. Wow, wow. Yeah, there's so, a lot. There's a lot. We we have another. We have another case that nobody's ever talked about. That's been missing since '84. Oh my gosh. You know, and um, you know, so it, it, it it's a little tough, and but what we do, we um, we stand strong with the family, and we fight for the families. He was a young black male. Um, he, um, Marvin Gibbs, and um, his family already passed away, except for his sister. And um, nobody's talked about it, you know. And then when we, they reached out to us, and you know, we, we we're like, we gotta open this up. You know, we got to get some information on this because either or, even if his mom and, and father passed away, 
there still has to be closure for that case. It just can't stay cold and 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 not mentioned at all. Um, we um, there's another one, young man who went missing in '87. Um, Joseph Help, you know he um, they they talk about it, but not that much. And we're a type that will keep bringing it back up again, and we'll start talking to people again, you know. And if we get any kind of clues or or um, information that's value then we'll contact the whoever's in charge of that case and say, look, this is what we have. You know, let's look into this. When um, we brought up about the um, Gabby Petito case, you know, um, it went millions and millions of, of people, you know, following that case, talking about it, so many searches, you know, it was all over news coverage. Um, when we brought up about are people that's not being um, treated like that, that every life should matter. It shouldn't just be one color. It should be all lives matter. Um, as soon as I mentioned that on one of our podcasts, because we, we do podcasts too, mm-hmm. and um, we the, the news was contacting us, you know, because they're trying to make it to a racial thing, but it's technically not a racial thing. It's just more the fact that everybody should get coverage, not just one person. And it um, doesn't matter if they're rich or not. You know, um, there is poor people out there that have somebody missing. You know, should they be treated the same way? Of course. They should be treated that their loved ones should get coverage, no matter what the circumstances are. So that's what we're, we were fighting for for a while now. And then... Um, and once again, it goes right back to Shanice Harris. We're not start bringing that back up again and really pushing the law enforcement and the media to start getting her out there because that family needs closure. They need to know what's going on. They need to know what happened to their daughter. Um, it's not right that the mother can sit there every single day being lied to, being attacked, um, you know, and not knowing anything. You know, and her her five years just passed us in May that she's been missing. So, and plus her birthday was just passed too. So it's tough, you know. And I would rather see this family get the closure now before it's too late. Domingo also mentions a variety of people that he is working on that haven't been in the news, haven't been in social media, and you haven't heard of. If you are from the true crime community. A podcaster who is involved in the same ethical true crime genre and would love to know more information how you can help amplify the voices of these missing persons, please don't hesitate to reach out to me, 903-883-6103 or email me at handsoffmypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to share this to whomever who is able to help Domingo get their voices heard. Thank you. Okay, so of course I'm going to have my theories, so here are the questions. I like to play devil's advocate and have a different perspective on some of the things that I believe that have not been asked as of yet, especially with other podcasters who have worked on this same story. 
I have a different angle because I myself is an Afro-Latina and I have lived in rural areas like Rock Hill, New York. So my question is, should we be concerned on the crime and safety of this area? And one of the things that is mentioned in a few of the podcasts that I've heard, the story about Shanice Harris, some have said that there's a high percentage of crime and safety concerns in the Rock Hill area of New York. Now, Rock Hill, New York itself is probably one of the safest areas in the Sullivan County. The thing that would be more concerned to me is where her car was found, and that was in the Monticello area, and based on the crime and safety research of that area, it's probably one of the worst high-rated crime and safety issues in Sullivan County. So some of the questions that come to mind is that, would there be a reason why Shanice would travel in that area if she is traveling alone? She's a homebody, like myself, so my thought process is that if I'm going to be doing something last minute, I would at least provide some information on where I'm going to go, who I'm going with, how long I'm staying out there, Um, especially in the area of Monticello. Be a cautious person as an overall. Another question is, what makes Shanice change her mind that evening? So I do believe Elvia and Tamika and Latoya identified that Shanice did hang out in that area off and on. I don't believe she would leave her car on the side of the road. If she had to go somewhere, she would take her own vehicle, especially if she's anticipating and returning right after. And to give at least some information to someone on where you're going, your whereabouts, and and when you'll be returning. To not give someone at least some information especially from what has been identified from the significant other. Shanice did not inform Shauna where she was going. It's a little bit questionable for me. And I know that it's going to be brought up that maybe it had something to do with her in her 420 lifestyle. Now, that's not as eyebrow-raising as other types of drugs. I mean, 420 lifestyle is quite norm in a lot of areas. And I don't see it playing out as dramatic as some other people would see it as. And I don't think that Shanice had a secret life that she had to keep things DL. You know, her lifestyle, the way she was, she was considerate, heart-loving. Her personality was just a beautiful person. She was dedicated to her relationship, from what I hear, with her significant other at the time. I don't think that would be something to question. For someone who schedules things and has an order in her life, it's just a little bit concerning that she would just up and leave without having a plan and knowing that her original plan was to stay at home for the evening and then turn it into a last-minute event by heading to a friend's house for a quote-unquote party. Another question is, was Shauna ever interviewed by law enforcement? From what I know... Yet after disappearance of Shanice, girlfriend Shauna literally up and moved out of town after that. I don't know how long their relationship was, but from my perspective, it is a significant other that just ups and leaves in the middle of searching for their missing significant other. That would be a little bit of an eyebrow-raising situation for me. Was she questioned? Does she have connections with other persons that Shanice supposedly went out to hang out with that evening. That's just such a concern for me, and I'm not sure if that was ever addressed. 
Here's a little bit about Shanice Rose Harris' characteristics and what she was wearing. Born February 2nd, 1986. So currently she would be 36 years old. She is 5'8", weighs around 289 pounds, has brown eyes, brown hair. She is biracial, which is African, American, and Hispanic. She was wearing a black and gray hoodie with four pockets in the front. So two on the top and two on the bottom on the front of the hoodie. Black sweatpants, square diamond-shaped earrings, black Nike Air Max sneakers, and Versace eyeglasses that were prescription. She also had rosary bead braids in her hair. She has multiple tattoos, including her nickname Sparks, which is spelled S-P-A-R-K-Z, on the top of her right hand. Two female symbols linked together on the top of her left hand. The words Philippians 4.11 on her right forearm. A design with a halo flanked by angel wings. And the words in loving memory, Grandma. 1.6.13 on her left forearm. And a design of clouds, seashells, two doves, praying hands, holding a rosary and an open book with the writing on her left elbow area and upper arm. Harris's dark gray four-door Volkswagen Jetta has tinted windows and the New York license plate number HMY2644, and this was abandoned along South Woods Drive in Thompson, New York, on May 31st, 8 a.m. If you've ever seen this vehicle as you drove during that time, Please do not hesitate to contact the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office 845-794-7100. You can also contact Q, which is the Center for Missing Persons, as well as Hope Alive 845. I will have all this information in the show notes. Domingo's nonprofit organization helps in all of the 845 area and of the neighboring areas. Their mission is to help families, friends, victims, law enforcement with support or necessary services for the missing, kidnapped, trafficked, or exploited children and adults. Domingo mentioned that on June 25th, they will have a Vendor Day event presenting 80s and 90s concert. There will be two separate events on the same day. They will have special guests, as well as a special tribute to their veterans. I will have this link in the show notes if you like more information about the event in Fallsburg, New York. One of the things that helps with donations, it helps them keep going with posters and flyers. Helps them hire private investigators to find a lost loved one. They help put together rewards for any information regarding a missing person. Helps them gain more gear for searching in wooded areas, and protect their staff and volunteers. Also, it helps them purchase more equipment like drones, handheld radios to communicate with staff and volunteers, backpacks, first aid, water, and etc. Domingo has been running his awareness, Hope Alive 845 in Sullivan County for four years. And from Domingo, he wants to thank you for making a difference for their staff at the Hope Alive 845. Every donation helps. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Hands Off My Podcast. If you are enjoying the podcast, 
and you'd like to support the mission, I do have a Patreon membership that will help the cause and bring more detail on cases and stories from the people of color community. If you yourself has a lost loved one or a story suggestion, please don't hesitate to contact me at email handsoffmypodcast at gmail.com and if you are only able to support in another way please give this podcast a 5 star rating on Apple or Spotify and continue to listen to upcoming episodes every Thursday wherever you listen to your podcast Dios te bendiga.